Hello and welcome to Naptown Blues Fancast, a weekly roundup of your Annapolis Blues FC playing in the Mid-Atlantic Division of the NPSO. I'm your host, Hiram Wainwright, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Houston. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Yourself? I'm doing just peachy. <laughs> First, be sure to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Please take a moment to leave a review and share your with your football and friends. You can also follow the Blues on Twitter at Naptown Blues Pod. And for tickets, please go to AnnapolisBlues.com for more details. Speaking of the tickets, we have a preseason match coming up, don't we, Sam? Absolutely. Community Shield against the Philadelphia Union B-side, right? Yeah, correct. Tickets will be available right now. Catch us on a game at Wednesday, May 10th at Navy Memorial Stadium. And Community Shield will be presented by our guest today from Rebuilding Together in Arona County. We got members Kelly and Annie. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, we're super excited to be here today. So thank you for having us. Well, thanks for coming over. We're happy to have you guys over and then, of course, speak more about Rebuilding Together. So for our viewers and or audience, I should say, can you explain a little bit more about what Rebuilding Together is? Sure. So we actually started in 1991 as Christmas in April. So a lot of people don't know that about us. But oftentimes when we talk to people, maybe they're not necessarily familiar with rebuilding together. But the second we bring up Christmas in April, it's suddenly a connection, which is really great. So we have a really good history in the community. So we started off doing, you know, our main work in April, obviously. And then the mission kind of grew from there and we wanted to do it more full-time year-round. So we evolved into Rebuilding Together in Reynolds County, which is a local chapter of the National Rebuilding Together organization. And so now we do free home repairs for Anne Arundel County residents um, at no cost to the homeowner. And oftentimes the residents are disabled, veterans, the elderly, definitely low income. So our mission has grown and we are growing exponentially year after year. Uh, interesting point there, too, when a lot of people may not know this about Annapolis, but there's a very kind of sympathetic relationship with lower income and underprivileged and a city that, you know, high tourism, a little bit of a, you know, there's a pretty high median income and things of that nature. And it's very interesting how there's like the city council has a very specific seat for all of the lower income housing. So I think as a city, it's been fun to kind of watch how they all work how we all work together in that regards. Now, in terms of working alongside with the Blues, what are you looking forward to doing the most? So I think when we were initially approached about this opportunity, we were very excited to get involved with another organization that was as community focused as we were. They have done an awesome job of working with local companies to get sponsorships and also participation from the Annapolis region. Although traditionally, Annapolis is always known for the Navy Stadium and the Naval Academy, and that's a great kind of identity for us to have. I think having our own brand and opportunity for working with the Annapolis Blues was an awesome opportunity because you could kind of see how Annapolis would be getting behind this organization. And then we would also have the opportunity to kind of work with them too and get residents to know about us as well. So it's kind of an awesome opportunity because we're both kind of in the young stages of promoting ourselves. That's the perfect way to describe both ourselves, both Annapolis and Rebuilding Together. So I feel like that's actually something that, of course, speaking for myself and the team itself is something we're definitely looking forward to, especially like you said, we're both community influenced. We definitely want to be more engaged with our surroundings and get all the local support as much as we can. 
So within your time working with Rebuilding Together, where's been the most fulfilling moment for both you and Kelly and Annie? So I actually joined a little bit over a year now. Um, And so it's funny, I actually just moved to Annapolis about two or three weeks ago. And what drew me in was the power of community. I, you know, haven't experienced yet until, you know, moving here and, and working here now for two years, just what a special place Annapolis is and kind of, you know, you have the local businesses, the local entrepreneurs, you know, you work with your neighbors and there's such spirit of wanting to support each other. And so what really drew me in is just the power of community. And I have such a fun time, you know, working with my fellow board members, working with Annie, understanding better the the needs in our community. And especially now that I'm a resident here, it makes it all that more meaningful. So I'm just very excited about the growth of our organization and learning more ways of how we can help and get involved and just grow our community network in a bigger way. Yeah, so kind of going off of what Kelly said, I think the important part about rebuilding together in this community specifically is land prices in Anne Arundel County are some of the highest in the state. And so our work prevents people from being forced out of the county where they've lived and worked for a very long time. They've made community connections. So knowing that our mission prevents people from having to leave the county because of mounting home repairs is a huge benefit to our work. And I think we're very lucky to have the opportunity to give back so tangibly. Anne Arundel County also has the highest number of nonprofits, I think, in Maryland. So we are competing for every single dollar. And <laughs> it's kind of one of those things of we have, I think, one of mo- the most important missions. Right. You, you talk about the hierarchy of needs and at the base, it's food, shelter, warmth and water. So we provide the shelter that people need. And so I think our mission is just one of the more important ones out there. I follow up on that because you think about it and not for us to get into a greater social conversation as a whole, but you think about what the the evil word gentrification does, right? It's like, okay, great. There's all these great businesses and you revitalize an area, but typically it's at the expense of the people who have lived there their entire lives. And there's a very delicate balancing act. I'm always very impressed when uh, there's like certain parts of uh, DC where it is still very much the local community who has been there forever and those businesses and the new apartment buildings and all that stuff that are coming along are starting to realize this is an important part of the overall ecosystem. And if you're going to have you like you talk about property values and keeping up with those things, you need to be able to keep all walks of life within a community because there needs to be easy transportation for people and things of that nature. And also couple that all with living where you work in that regard. If someone who's doing well, great, I have a car. I could drive wherever the hell I want. Well, for somebody local, they need affordable housing to do their job that maybe doesn't get paid as well. Maybe they don't have a car. And so helping with that ecosystem as a whole is very important. And I think a lot of times people put a blind eye to oh look at the pretty new building there and forget uh you know there's people who still need to live here no yeah and and we definitely feel that that's part of our mission is kind of preventing that from happening um and and we have very specific pockets that we work in in Anne County. We have mm-hmm. Glen Burnie and Pasadena is a really big area. Mm-hmm. South County, Anne Arundel County, which is mm-hmm. 
very surprising. I think people don't think of South County as an area that needs a lot of help, but they are a very proud area. Mm-hmm. They they don't like asking for help. No. So we actually have a hard time getting rid of grant money. I down don't. There. I don't know if they. I don't know if they even like just being considered part of Anne County. No, we're South County. Leave us alone. We're doing our own thing. We're just fine. Thank you. Exactly. Damn snobs. <laughs> um, now, how about kind of let's get into the nuts and bolts. What is a regular day in the life of rebuilding together? So uh, generally the way that we work is it's kind of twofold. You have the, I don't want to call it sales, but it's the fundraising component right. of things. There's a lot of grant writing that needs to be done, grant monitoring, receipt management, those kinds of things. And then we also have the construction side of things. So whenever a homeowner kind of applies to us, we have to go through a series of steps. So they will apply to us and then we will screen the application, make sure that the homeowner is actually the homeowner. We we sometimes have people apply who are renters and their landlord isn't keeping up with the property. So they're trying to get things taken care of and and we can't help those individuals, unfortunately. But so that's a big component. And then we'll screen the applicants to make sure that they meet our income requirements. We generally have our homeowners around the $32,000 per year in total income for the home, but that's also on a scaling measure. We have some homeowners who have multiple income producing individuals in the home, and it is scaled based on the number of people in the home. So it's all based on AMI, which is average median income for the area. Then we have the process of application is approved. Then we have our construction manager goes out, identifies what needs to be done to the property. The homeowner comes up with a wish list. So we are not going to guarantee that we can do everything that they need from us. There's also a point where we have to kind of say this is too big of a project for us. We have to refer them to another organization called ACDS, which is Arundel Community Development Services. They are an awesome organization as well. We then identify the scope see what the costs are going to be. Usually our costs end up around ten dollars to $15,000, depending. But we also have much smaller projects. And in those ten dollars to $15,000, it's usually the roof that needs to be replaced, which is a huge expense. I'm sure every homeowner is nodding their head right now. And I don't want one, but I'm still nodding. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Once we do that, then we kind of go through, well, is this a home that we can get sponsors for? And is this something that one of our grants can apply to? And then we come up with the funding and then execute on it. So usually when we get a sponsorship, we have volunteers as well. Awesome. So as far as process for whenever you're doing those rebuildings, what is the typical process like? Is it on a weekly basis or is it throughout the couple of days? Like if you don't mind, like going more in detail, how that process works. So are you asking about the specific like day-to-day right so like as far as whenever you're working on the houses itself like is it more basically like the day-to-day operations for like the rebuilding process for that yeah so um we have to have our construction manager will go out he will identify what's needed on the home and then he will work with the homeowner on a timeline that works for them and for our funding so all of our grants are reimbursement grants so mm-hmm. we have to front the money first and then wait for the money to come in which some sometimes can take a pretty significant period of time and then the homeowners repairs are done based on that timeline when we get the funding in here's here's a little bit of follow up then that i assume that fundraising helps set that coffer for you yes. to be able to front expenses because government 
the fastest <laughs> thing in the world. Really timely, always on the ball. Yeah. I'm sure you you go to the government and say, we need this grant filled. And they're like, well, hell, how many zeros would you like behind that check? Oh, I'm yeah. sure that's exactly yes. how it yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we have zero issue with getting um, grant funding in, and I mean that sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it takes up to six months for stuff to oh, come can, in. Which can is, imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, so having coffers, having fundraisers, yeah, this fundraising is huge. puts you ahead of the game. Now, follow up to that with the contractor. So you have a in-house contractor that handles things. Do you have partnerships with supply organizations to be able to kind of get things at a little bit more affordable price and yeah. be able to pull those? So I, I would assume for, you know, whoever supplies lumber or supplies roofing stuff, they're able to then use that as a write-off as charity as well to help and kind of bring down the cost to at least an affordable level for you guys because you know you be able to pull off doing a roof for ten thousand as opposed to being able to do a roof for twenty five thousand because you know businesses want to make their money yeah so uh we have something called in-kind donations uh sometimes a contractor will come to us and say hey i'm willing to donate the labor but not necessarily donate the materials so we'll pay directly for the materials and use that as a write-off for them which is a huge tax benefit mm -hmm. uh, we have some organizations we work with on that we have really great relationships with contractors and we're really trying to grow that general kind of referral source but right. then on top of that we also work we're building a relationship with second chance in baltimore which i don't know if you guys are familiar with that but mm. it sounds kind of familiar yeah so what they do is they pull in or they deconstruct homes and then bring those materials to their warehouse and they sell them at a different or at a lower cost and then they can then also give second chances to formerly incarcerated individuals gotcha. so mm -hmm. it's a really awesome organization to kind of partner with on these kinds of things and so we get our materials at a lower cost kind of like locally lighthouse uh, the restaurant it right. is yeah. only formerly incarcerated individuals that work there and at the end of the day how do we expect somebody to become rehabilitated if they don't have an opportunity to work and make some money right. you know? so working within those communities also helps and it's regrettable but truthful unfortunately is is that those lines mesh with one another when you're talking about a you know impoverished neighborhood or an, in a neighborhood that's you know of a lower income bracket that happens so being able to try to help as a whole is really important so going back a little bit we've uh, kind of discussed this previously but like what exactly brought you towards working with rebuilding together like what made you want to join that that realm of this nonprofit? for me i was really looking for an opportunity to be in person with people and connect with people in person my path recently i you know was in law school COVID happened i was remote i just started my job and you know i was just really missing that opportunity to kind of really connect with people and i think a lot of people have felt that way and so when i connected with annie um and i'll tell you this she is one of the best representatives of our organization and what we do she's what's you know been driving our growth in the past you know three years but definitely in the past year and it just drew me in and it made me excited and made me want to be a part of a small but mighty organization <laughs> and i was kind of really enticed by the opportunity for growth we're not an organization that has a lot of money has a lot of resources but we have such a good team with you know a lot of ambition and high expectations of where we think we can we can grow our impact in the community and i told annie i said i like a challenge and i really want to be a part of our growth it's a labor of love we all volunteer our time but the reward is just so worth it for me 
All right. So, oh, please, sorry. Yeah, go. sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> you still need to tell us your thoughts. Apologies. <laughs> um, so for myself, I think my largest motivator in all of this is I work in banking and I think bankers sometimes get a bad rep for financing these big developers and, and kind of looking at the profitability of things. Right. And so... I wanted a way that I could give back to the community and use my resources in a way that had a really direct impact. And so this was an organization where we're seeing exponential growth in the grant income that we were getting, but no one knew about us. So my goal has always been to grow our reputation in the area and then also build the business relationships where we become someone who or something that the community wants to invest in from a business perspective. Excellent. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Now I can go ahead and ask the question. <laughs> I stomped all over you for doing. So I like to say in the show, uh, everything can't be unicorn and rainbows, right? It can't just be, oh, everything's wonderful. So what are the challenges? What are probably the hardest adversities you guys have to deal with? And how do you manage to solve those problems? Sure. I think big thing is one of the biggest strengths is unrestricted funding. That's also the hardest thing we can get. <laughs> mm -hmm. As Annie mentioned, we survive off of grants and just donations from individuals. The grants oftentimes come with, you know, strings attached to them and we have to make sure our work fits what is allowed to be used with that money. Mm -hmm. So we really try hard to get that unrestricted funding just from individuals, businesses, in-kind donations, people who volunteer their time, all that stuff. And I also mentioned we all volunteer our time. So, you know, if we did this full time, it probably would be a quicker growth with getting that unrestricted funding. But so it really is just a balance of making sure people are aware we exist and then understanding our mission and how do we connect people with our mission such that they would want to donate their time or their money. So our biggest need is unrestricted funding and and just more people to honestly join our team to help us sustain the organization. A lot of our board members have been on the team for, you know, a few years now, and I'm a newer member, but we're always looking to grow so that our capacity expands. And then that in turn increases our capability of connecting with more people, getting our name out there, and then hopefully getting more community support. Yeah. A lot of people, when you think of a charity event, just pulling off like a dinner party with wine and all that fun stuff, right? It seems so simple. No, you're asking people to donate a space, donate the time, donate the booze, maybe donate the food. If they're not donating those things, that then comes out of the bottom line of the money you're trying to get from everybody. Hey, can you do a charity basket? Don't do the same old golf for four damn charity basket. I need something interesting. Like, oh, don't put two bottles of wine and some wine glasses. I need something more interesting. People aren't going to bid on that. You know, so I imagine all of that excess work just beyond having to still make sure houses get repaired and stuff gets done, you still gotta do these wonderful, glamorous parties where everybody feels like they're the most important person in the room, and those aren't cheap, and those aren't easy to do, I imagine. Right, and you know, as Annie mentioned, it's a very saturated market for nonprofits of where you can donate your money. There's it, a competition there. There's always an event going on right, for a charity. Right, Always in this town. Right. So, you know, donor fatigue is a real thing, especially, you know, in this economy right now. It's mm -hmm. it's it's hard to get people to to donate their money. But I think we just I, I go back to the mission of, OK, everyone has a home. Hopefully most people have homes. Everyone appreciates the need for a safe, 
healthy home to live in. And we talk amongst our board all the time of like, why is the mission important to you? What really connects with you? And a lot of us have talked about, you know, we all have elderly relatives. Maybe we have some disabled relatives or friends and stuff. And we think, okay, well, what if they couldn't afford to repair their homes? They need an organization like us. So a lot of people can relate to that on that level. So I think as long as we get that across and finding more opportunities to be able to communicate that with people, I really do think we have a mission that's really easy to connect with. And then people want to, you know, donate their money to us. (laughs) You, You think of like, you know, the elderly and you're on a fixed income at that point, perhaps you're retired or receiving some benefits or whatever. Your choice is groceries, medicine, or bills you aren't even thinking of the roof like that is so not even a thought in that regards right and we actually so we did a a board build last fall and that was my first opportunity to actually be on like a project site and you know we were speaking with the homeowner and she's been she was in her home for a good part of her life and she had some of her grandchildren living there and just seeing firsthand how you know some individuals they don't want to leave their home it's an emotional connection that's you know it's traumatic almost if you're forced out when you don't want to be because it's not safe and healthy and a lot of people just settle for for living in an unsafe home you know and that's really hard to see so we take away that kind of forced choice of having to choose between being safe or you know leaving your home they're able to stay there and we we help to provide that with as little stress and trauma as possible so that they can just kind of you know live with dignity and know that they are able to stay in their home for as long as they want to be able to you want to add any challenges that you've seen as well so i i would say that one of the biggest challenges is uh, thinking fundraising, uh, thinking of fundraising in an exciting new way. We always talk about the raffle baskets and <laughs> garnering those kind of local support. I think the the primary goal that I've had over the last two years is how do we make this fun and exciting and new again? Not so, the same old two exactly. bottles of wine with two. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you do? It? I, I've often found, and I think, and sorry for cutting you off, no, but you're good. but something I'm I'm the old Gen Xer in the room, but something I've found that with a younger generation, it's far more about experience yeah. than it is about actual property. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not give me a gift certificate to a restaurant. It's give me a chef's experience at a restaurant, and I will donate triple for that than I would for just a $200 gift certificate to your restaurant. Exactly. And I think the, I I always think about how do we make this fun and tie it into our mission. One of the things that I've been pushing for is us doing like a gingerbread building competition at the Christmas time and then having people donate to whatever house they feel like is the best one. But I don't know if the board members will get on board with I'm already on board with that, so I'm there. So um, I'm putting this up publicly so I can uh, blackmail them into it later. Just speaking into existence. That's all you're doing. (laughs) Agreeing to do that. (laughs) It's again, it's fun. It's an experience. It's how do you make it differently, particularly in a very saturated market with a lot of charities always competing for those dollars. What are we doing that's different and fun? You know? Exactly, exactly. And so I like I agree that the the fundraising is one of the biggest things. But I also think our one of our biggest challenges is also the burnout that comes with uh, nonprofit work and also volunteer work. I think when you ask people to donate a lot of their time and also have them requested to do a lot to kind of sustain an organization, I think that constantly having the backlog of new talent coming onto the board, coming onto new projects, all of that is something that we're always concerned about as well. And we're 
constantly thinking through. And then as far as just adding on to the more like the challenges that you guys face with this, I'm just assured that the pandemic and COVID definitely played like a major role with this, of course. Oh, yeah. So aside from that, what would you say came out of that? Like, I'm sure it was probably like less opportunities or less donations happening during that time because, of course, like everyone is still trying to get used to the way of living through the pandemic and everything. Yeah. So I actually joined the board in January of 2020. Oof. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I had two kind of months of normalcy and then we kind of jumped right into the COVID, COVID world of working from home and trying to elicit donations from home. And I, I can't speak to what it was like before then, but I can say that it became harder for us to get anything done. I mean, you're talking about, Kelly said earlier, who is our primary demographic? We're talking elderly. We're talking single individuals living at home with disabilities. All of those kinds of individuals were the people that we had to be the most concerned about. So mm -hmm. uh, we really struggled to even get home repairs done for a little bit because people didn't want to let us into their homes and we also didn't have the fundraising for it. So it was a really challenging time, but it also kind of forced us to pivot on our feet and figure out how can we build the organization from the backside. Right. So I always talk about sustainable growth. We kind of use that this time to reorganize how we're going to do things. So we're looking at expanding our team on the actual staffing side, which is exciting. But then we also looked at how do we cut costs and build relationships. And although I say that we are fighting for every dollar in this area, it's also about building partnerships with a lot of these other nonprofits. Right. Yeah. I I know during COVID for myself, what we did as far as donating and helping the community because I come from the liquor industry was 100% server bartender because they suddenly, none of them had jobs. They're a cash dependent job. It's not like they have a ton of reserves. So it was, oh, a musician's doing something for a restaurant. That's who I'm donating to. Oh, I can order carry out. I'm writing a 50% tip because I know it's going to that. So for me, like I wouldn't even thought of any nonprofits, all of my donations. So there you have people, and I'm sure there's a large quantity of people who went and did that. That It's like, well, there's no donations coming in because there's nothing we can do to solicit donations. Yeah. And and just to kind of go off of that, I, as I've said, I'm a banker. I was doing all of the PPP lending that we mm -hmm. saw during that time period. And nonprofits were not the first ones in the doors. Oh, no. it, was the, it was the businesses that had existing relationships. And we did help a lot of nonprofits in my own organization. But that's a that's a huge component of of all of this is that nonprofits are not always the most savvy in getting the dollar, you know? Right. And then before we wrap up here, we're just going to get away to like, of course, get our community to support your uh, nonprofit as well. So like, what are some ways that our audience can help support Rebuilding Together? Buy a ticket to the game! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real simple, sorry to cut you off, we'll let you say. You buy a ticket to a game, you drink alcohol, if you'd like, and enjoy a wonderful sporting event. Oh my goodness, Annapolis Blues cuts a check to you guys! It's the easiest thing in the world! There you go, putting into action, we are trying to make it as easy and fun to support a local nonprofit such as ourselves, you can, you know, come hang out with friends and family at this wonderful, fun event. And also without really doing any work, a portion of the proceeds go to us, which we really appreciate. And we're very much looking forward to. We also have a and we can cut this if I'm not allowed to announce this yet. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have our inaugural um, golf tournament coming up 
on Tuesday, October 10th. We're very excited about that. It's going to be a fun day of golf. You can take a day off of work. I'm excited about that (laughs) and not great at golf, but it'll be a great time. And we're really looking forward to partnering with a lot of the local businesses and organizations such as Annapolis Blues to kind of kick that off. So that should be really fun. Well, the good thing that works out with uh, charity golf tournaments, if you're really bad, Good news. At the end, your last place, they're going to give you tennis rackets and give you a new sport to learn about. (laughs) I fully intend to claim that prize. Exactly. (laughs) And another great way is you can keep up with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn, Rebuilding Together Anne Arundel County. And we're on Instagram at Rebuilding Together AAC. So, you know, we, we post not too much, not to annoy you guys, but we'll highlight all of the fun stuff we have coming up. And you can also join our newsletter list, which I'm I'm pushing for more than anything else because I want people to not get spammed but get a quarterly report from us on what we're doing so it's nice to know as as someone who does donate it's like where specifically is my money going who am I helping like oh that's awesome I really like seeing that's a really heartwarming story that person got taken care of or oh we were able to bring in this much this much in grants and we were able to you know take care of five more houses this year than we were able to last year and that's that's great way to be able to do it too. So yeah, so we actually in 2022 did 33 homes, which was a huge achievement for us, and we're hoping to expand upon that again this year. But yeah, so we we're growing. We're hoping to grow with the Annapolis Blues, and that's kind of where we're at. Well, let's hope for 50 for this year then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kelly and Annie, thank you guys both for joining us for today. It was a very good pleasure for uh, us to speak more about Rebuilding Together, and we're definitely looking forward to more opportunities to have you guys. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. This was so much fun. Yeah, thank you. I cannot express how excited we were to be on this as well. Awesome. Thank you for listening and joining the show. Here we have some tickets available on sale for our community shield preseason match against philadelphia union's development squad also be sure to follow us on twitter at naptime blues and annapolis blues on twitter as well at annapolis blues to follow the club till next week everybody Off the blue!